Hey friends, welcome to the Everyday Abundance Podcast. My name is Kaylin and I am excited to be on this journey together. The mission of the Everyday Abundance Podcast is to empower and equip women to experience abundance in their rhythms, relationships, and resources by giving them tools to model their lifestyle after Jesus. So without further ado, let's jump right in. Hello, everyone. I am so excited that you're joining us for our part two of our self series. And it's just going to be a really like great conversation today. So we're going to be talking about the problem with a self-made life and why self-care often falls short. So last episode, we briefly defined what our self is in our three-part being. So we had a target analogy, and if you didn't get to like listen to that yet, I would encourage you to pause this and go listen to that one first because it really is the foundation of what we're talking about today. But we have a target analogy, and it's talking about our three-part being that is in, um, I believe it's First or Second Thessalonians, that was also <laughs> referenced and quoted last week. But it's the three-ring analogy, the center being our spirit, the second ring being our mind will emotions or our soul and then our outer ring being our physical body Um, we talk about more of that and how salvation and sanctification go into that Um, but again if you didn't get to hear that make sure you go back to episode 11 part one of the self series for that one so today we're going to talk about you know like I said the problem of self-made and why self-care falls short because we're looking to self-care oftentimes for satisfaction and refreshment. And the scary part about living a self-made life is that you and I can be doing it without even knowing it. (laughs) And since yourself is made up of your mind, will, and emotions, it's where your personality lives, where your Enneagram lives, if for all you Enneagram people like me, and if you're speaking and making decisions based on your feelings and not truth, you could be living out of self and not of spirit. You could be making, creating this self-made world, self-made life around you. Um, But don't worry, because if you are a believer, you have the Holy Spirit to help you. This thought of living for self, but being unaware of it is just to tell you, hey, if you're not actively engaging with your spirit in worship, God's word, healthy community, then you can be saved and be living for yourself, sometimes even unknowingly and creating a life built around you alone. So the main issue of claiming or unknowingly living a self-made life. So we talked about how I listened to this podcast a few months ago before I launched this podcast. And it deeply disturbed me because these women were putting self-made on so many things, t-shirts and mugs and talking about it. And it was breaking my heart because of what self-made is and it really is because self if you're claiming self-made you are dethroning the sovereignty of God in your life so God is still sovereign over everything but by living a self-made life or claiming a self-made life you are in turn dethroning the sovereignty of God and how it works in your life so it is saying to God and others I got this I did this I don't need anyone else Practically, this looks like control issues or high stress levels or anxiety. It can even look like how you're serving your family or your church. Are you doing it out of striving for perfection or achievement or position? 
Or is your motive your love for God? These things can often lead us back to the main issue of trying to be God. God of our own lives. And sometimes we don't even know we're doing it. It's just, it's part of our human sinful nature that happened in the all the way back in the Garden of Eden when Eve chose to eat of the fruit and then she knew the knowledge of good and evil. It made them more like God to know those things when before they it doesn't seem that they did. So it leads us back to this issue of trying to be God, glorifying ourselves in the process. There are so many reasons why we can't and shouldn't be God. I don't feel like I have to tell any of y'all that, but maybe you need to hear that today. Um, the book of Isaiah talks about how God's thoughts and ways are higher and greater than ours. And praise the Lord that they are because I personally feel very limited on a daily basis. I think parenting really will put that in perspective for you when you're raising a tiny adult human and you want them to love God and be a good person and be successful, but ultimately love God and and, and spend eternity with you. But I definitely feel limited in so many areas, just depending on, you know, like what season you're in financially or physically or in your marriage. And I will be the first to admit that I am a recovering achiever. Okay. It is one of my greatest strengths, but also my greatest struggles. So personally, I struggle with knowing God's approval of me doesn't come from my performance. It's a thing we've had going on now here for a while. I've grown a lot in this area. Um, But even this past week, God rocked me. He rocked my heart with an opportunity that he put in my lap that guess what? I did absolutely nothing to earn. And looking back at my life, as I was reflecting on this, every single thing I count as my greatest blessings I did not have to strive for. And you may be like, okay, Kaylin, but... This is definitely not my story. Um, I had to work for every single thing I ever had. And I feel like nothing good comes unless I work my butt off for it. And I would challenge you to look deeper into that thought. So where are you saying your trust is in? Who is your hope in? Who is your joy in? Because when they're in Jesus, you credit everything to him. Him who is worthy of that praise. And I know everyone has not dealt the same cards. Trust me, I get it. I see it. I I know. But God's word clearly says that if we seek first his kingdom, then he will give us everything we need and he will turn everything around. The hard, the pain, the suffering for our good. So much of it's perspective and that comes with a heart change and a shift in us. And when you operate in a self-made mentality, you ultimately try to be God. You try to be God of your life. And when you try to be God, you carry the weight of your failures as well as the weight of your successes. And success has weight to it. It's sometimes called glory or praise. Glory was not intended for man. And because of that, no man can rightfully or easily or gracefully bear it. There's a story in Exodus of God and Moses having this conversation and God is telling Moses to move the people of Israel, move camp. And Moses is begging God for his presence to go with them and distinguish them. And he's basically like, God, if you don't come with us, we can't go. We can't do anything apart from you. Then Moses asks God to show him his glory. Let's see what God says. 
We're in Exodus 33, 18 through 23, and this is NIV. Verse 18 says, Then Moses said, Now show me your glory. And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, You cannot see my face, for no one may see me and live. Then the Lord said, There is a place near me where you may stand on a rock. When my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft of the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will remove my hand and you will see my back, but my face must not be seen. Now, this is one of the people in the Bible where, this is Moses we're talking about. He communed with God, the Old Testament view of God, in such a beautiful and unique way where when he, after he had been with God, his face would shine. Like, that's so cool. And it says he talked with him like a friend, okay? So this is, this is Moses saying, God, take me a little further. I need your help leading these people. I need, I need you to show me your glory. I love how beautiful this scene is talked about and is written about because like, this is such a beautiful picture of God and who Jesus is as God in man form and putting his hand over Moses to protect him from his glory. And so the word in the Old Testament often used to describe the word glory in Hebrew is the word kabod, like kebab, but with a D, kabod, meaning heavy. It's something of weight or value. And dare I say that this self-care thing was born out of the need to manage the weight of the control and glory that people are experiencing now that was never meant for them. Now that's a thought. I'm going to repeat it again. Dare I say that the self-care thing was born out of the need to manage the weight of the control and the glory that people are experiencing that was never meant for them. And one of the reasons I have told God personally that I need my daily bread and and things to give away and bless other people with, but not much else, is because I know how the rich and famous struggle with their possessions and their positions. God, let my excess always be for other people. Like, do I want God to bless me financially so that I can bless other people? Yes. It's one of my favorite things to do. And I believe God not only wants to provide for you, but I believe God wants to bless you abundantly in so many areas. And we've talked about how to do that with um, surrender and obedience, those two pieces. So I'm going to continue doing that in my life, believing God's going to outpour on me. But when he does, I'm going to give it away. Because one who is one who is trusted with a, what can be trusted with little can be trusted with much. And I want to show him that I can be trusted with both. And how much self-care would really be necessary if we truly cast our anxieties and things we cannot control on the one who can and does? And how would our stress levels decrease if we could let go of bad mindsets of having to do it all perfectly or, or quickly or make it happen or hustle or be a boss babe what would our self look like then and i'm not saying don't work hard okay i am but it's a heart it's a mindset it's 
what are we saying to other people? What it, what are we putting out? And I'm not saying if you have something on your desk that says one of those things that that's a sin. Absolutely not. I think it's fun to be to be driven and empowered. I mean, one of my strengths is achievements. I'm going to have to-do lists and motivational scriptures and quotes, but but it's the heart of what I'm talking about. And I'm definitely not against caring for your whole self, your body, mind, and spirit. I truly believe in it. And I believe that maybe our problem is not that we neglect to care for it, but that we're not doing it in the right way. And over the past few years, I've been really interested in learning a lot about what Sabbath rest looks like and why why it's one of the Ten Commandments and why God asks us to honor that day of rest and what it does means for humans, does to for humans and all those things. And I plan on doing a whole series on that one day. So I hope you'll you'll join us for that. And sometimes we need a break. We all do. We need time to eat, sleep and be married and do married things. Hello. I mean, God designed us that way to need rest because rest requires our release. And release requires trust and trust requires faith. And all those things require him. How have you ever wondered why humans sleep almost 8 to 12 hours of their 24 hours a day? And why that we must sleep to live? Because we have a big God who knows we can't do it all and control it all, even if we were on 24 hours of the 24 hours in a day. We can't. He created this rest because in the end, when we're sleeping, we can't do nothing about nothing. We really can't. And it's just, I that's why I believe naps are so spiritual. It's because it's just like, you know what, Lord? I'm just giving you this moment right now. <laughs> uh, and I'm not saying it's to fall into laziness in any way, but napping can be spiritual because it's a release. It's you're not controlling anything when you're taking a nap. You know what I'm saying? So anyways, <laughs> self-care is often shown as indulging in desires like spending money, eating delicacies, or pampering yourselves in any way. And God sees us as more important than even we do. So why do we feel like we're going to go to the nail salon to feel better instead of God. When we need some soul food, when we need God to fill us up, we need a pick-me-up. And I don't, I do not believe at all that eating a cupcake and getting your hair done on your off day is bad. Okay? I don't because I love both those things. I love to treat myself and my family, especially my Noah. I love to treat him and not over treat him, but like when he doesn't know it's coming and I've got something that's exciting, usually it's food because he's almost two. So that's pretty much the most important thing in his life right now. And so if you love to treat your kids that much, think about how much God loves to treat you, but there has to be a balance because once we start taking that, once our parents stop treating us as adults, we kind of take over with our, our own money and our own schedule and our own lives. And we have to therefore treat ourselves, which we can use as self-care. But we've talked about these two desires within you that are at war, yourself and your spirit. That's been our big comparison this past series. And with self-care, it's no different. You have to actively choose things that care for yourself without contradicting your spirit. So by asking, what does God's word say about it? So let's take alcohol, for example. There's a difference between having a glass of wine with dinner and getting drunk at the beach with friends on a long weekend. So wine with a friend, Bible says, is good for the heart. It's Bible talks about wine and alcohol, look it up. 
seriously, use Google. It helps so much pulling out scriptures. Always read it in context, but it will help you at least find it. So Bible says it's good for the heart. I mean, it talks about it multiple places. And, and then it also says that getting drunk is a sin. Both can be seen in this culture as self-care, but not both are beneficial. I'm not saying that when you want dessert in a movie night, you have to sit there and wait for the Holy Spirit to give you the green light to tell you what to eat and what to watch. But what I am saying is not letting your feelings, which is in your soul, yourself, trick you into thinking that eating the whole pint is a great idea because we all know the stomachache later will remind you that it wasn't. It doesn't take rocket science to, to understand that when you're like, hmm, not feeling so great. <laughs> and I encourage you to let your convictions dictate what you watch. Is it lifting you up or tearing you down? Is it is what they're saying and talking about, is it lighthearted or is it dishonoring God? When your spirit man is strong within you, you don't have to think too hard about each little decision. You'll just know the best one. Even little shifts like this in your thinking will help you win the battle with self. Romans 12, 1 through 3 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. This is a process, guys. That by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. It doesn't say by sitting there and just automatically knowing. It's by testing. Sometimes it's by watching how other people live that you admire, that you admire their relationship with God or their purity. Or sometimes it's honestly by your past failures, by your current situations, by your mess ups, by your, like I said, your observations. So the best way to learn is experiences, but it doesn't have to be your experience. Okay. So you don't have to totally commit a sin to know you're not supposed to do it or you shouldn't, or it's not a good idea. Seriously. The Bible is full of examples of what not to do. Honestly, it really is just, just open it and take a look. And the more you begin to let the word of God and God's spirit help guide those decisions, the easier it will be to defeat that self versus spirit, that self that's trying to control your life instead of your spirit. So this is what we're going to look more into, into part three, about what a spirit made life looks like and how to really like embrace that and live it out in different areas. But one last thing I want to talk about today is that my statements on self-care are not to be confused with the lifestyle or belief that self-deprivation gets you closer to God. So it's crazy popular among like the Buddhist and Hindu religions, Um, but it's this thought that the lower you make yourself, the less you have to live off of, the less you do outside of prayer, the more approval you will have with God or a God. And I had done research on this and I forget the word that they call this, but a lot of monks or nuns live this out. And it's it's a life, it depends on, you know, the spiritual mindset you're having. Different religions think about it differently. Um, but it's basically lowering yourself and depleting yourself, depriving yourself of all pleasure to, to know God more and to be closer to God, whether that's God, big G, our God, or little G, other different gods, and meditation and clearing your mind and, and being less of me. So there's more, you know, of the supernatural. And it gets so confused because there are scripture that's like, humble yourself for the before the Lord, and he will exalt you. And it's like, yes, but 
never like Jesus fasted, but like he lived a life of contact with people and the way he lived his life was just doesn't say deprivation to me. And I want you to look for yourself, but I don't believe this is true about our God. I don't believe our God is one that wants us to work for something because our God is a God of abundance. He sent Jesus to make this ultimate sacrifice for us so we can have this salvation that we didn't earn. All he asks us to do is to believe in him and live like we believe in him. And we see Jesus confronting Jewish leaders about the way that they're fasting because they're making it look like they're suffering in front of man, like it gives them some kind of holiness. And he he corrects them and he's like, dude, you got it all wrong because we know, you know, like fasting is denying yourself in order for your spirit to strengthen, not to win the approval of man or God because you're suffering. And God also calls our body a temple of the Holy Spirit. Something that holds his spirit is sacred and important and needs to be cared for. One of the best parts about being a Christ follower and being biblically based, that being the core of your belief, is that it's the only religion that is not based on works. It's a relationship. Jesus did the deed for us. Everything we do after that is to glorify him and to, and to enrich our lives on earth to experience more of heaven here and adding to eternity for his glory. We are not fighting for a seat at the table. I need you to hear me today. Mama, wife, son, daughter, you are not fighting for a seat at the table today. If you have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior of your life, he has given you the Holy Spirit, which they say is a seal on your heart, meaning there's already a seat at the table for you. You don't have to prove it. There's nothing you can achieve to get you there. He paid the price. I know this is a lot to chew on. So next week, we're going to make it super practical and applicable But for this week, I want to leave you with this challenge. Take a close look at your life and ask God to reveal any situations that you are striving in or taking glory in and ask him to free you in those areas. We cannot handle the control or the credit. Trust me. In order for you to live a spirit-made life instead of a self-made life, those two things have got to go. And then... You'll be ready to fight the good fight with the tools we will talk about next week. Thank you so, so much for listening today. I love getting to talk with you guys on social media. So please connect with us on our Instagram at everydayabundance.podcast. And I cannot wait to be back with you guys for part three. Hey, thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on any of the future episodes. And hey, if you love it, rate and review it because we're new around here and we'd love to be an uplifting podcast for someone who needs it. Be sure to keep up with us on our Instagram at everydayabundance.podcast. See you next time.